Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Record. Look at me. It's like I know what I'm doing over here almost. Cut. And zoom. Where are you? There you are. Okay. Oh, and I'm cut off at the top. It's perfect. Okay, so <laughs> anyways, thanks for your time. I know you're really busy. Savannah uh, Hernandez is my guest. Um, your latest video went viral. I will um, advise you, please don't fight. Please don't try to fight. You have men to guard <laughs> you for that. Uh, I saw your shoulder check. It's admirable, but I don't want to see you uh, get caught up on it. Tell us a little bit about your history, your family, your upbringing, maybe, I think there's millions of men like me. Uh, I don't have a ring on my finger and that's the first thing they look for when they see you activism and out there, you're gorgeous. And I think guys all wanna know, well, like, well, who is this girl? What's she all about? So like, I, I know, I, I think I saw you refer to your grandfather being in the Vietnam War as a, mm -hmm. as a native and then, um, or, yeah. or no. Okay, so yeah, just tell me a little bit about your family history because I'm really interested and I think lots of other people are as well. Sure. So my grandfather, he was actually from California. He's Hispanic. Um, his father had crossed the border, all that good stuff. And I had sat with my grandfather and we had talked about all of those stories. And I'm currently working on a podcast right now too, um, just with my grandfather and about our family history. But um you know, he fought in the Vietnam War, which is why I feel so passionate about America now. But even further than that, he grew up in Compton. The reason why he joined the Marines was because he didn't want to live life in the ghetto. He didn't want to become a gangbanger. And he knew that that was the life that was set out for him if he stayed in Compton, which is why he joined the Marines. And ever since, you know, my grandfather's decision to do that, people in my family have continued to serve. My uncles are in the Marines, my father was in the Navy. And um, I think that's why I am the way that I am today, just because my family has, they started off in, you know, like lower income neighborhoods and not the best situation, but because they wanted better for themselves, they continued to work for the American dream until they achieved it. And my father, um, I was so lucky enough that, again, he served in the Navy and he, what he decided to teach me even further that he was never taught was how to handle money and be financially responsible. So now on top of, you know, being out of that low income type of community, now my father has also gone further as to teach us financial responsibility because he wants us to be successful in life. And he truly believes that anyone can have the American dream, whether you're white, black, Asian, take your pick male or woman it just comes down to your own knowledge your own want for success your own want to make it in america because anyone can do it so i think that's why i am where i am today because like i said my family has a long history of pushing their way out of that type of situation that we do see so many people um falling into meaning you know like low-income communities um not being able to get out of poverty my family for many generations has pushed past that so now i know you studied for journalism in school at some point um what was your first taste of blood in the water as far as this kind of path that you've taken you know i know you've done some work with info wars that's going to be incredibly difficult on your rep reputation nothing against alex i think he's brilliant and hilarious mm -hmm. and nuts and uh and I, that's what i love about him and you know what he's often very he's often right also so mm -hmm. what, what do you think was your first taste of like where you've kind of this path that you've you've kind of delved like it's kind of activism i hate to use that word because it's come so it's become so dirty but what you're doing is activism you know the with the police lives matter and and whatnot and i think you've got mm -hmm. something coming up on wednesday as well i want you to touch on uh but yeah what was your first taste of the blood in the water was it with through alex or um i definitely would say that it was um because in college specifically i was always very interested in politics but i never knew how to delve into the subject prior to being in college i was homeschooled I graduated high school when I was 16 because I basically was like, I don't like being homeschooled. I like being in a classroom setting and I want to be 
in a classroom setting. So I took my GED at 16, went straight into college, graduated by the time I was 20. But because I was kind of accelerated in that, um, I didn't get to have as much time in the journalism field, I guess, um, in college. I didn't get as much time to do internships. So whenever I graduated, it was a little bit hard for me to break into the broadcast industry because I'm sure anyone who tries to break into the media knows you need about a year and a half of experience under your belt before you can even get into an entry level job at your normal newsroom. So I was having a lot of trouble trying to break into the field and then Infowars found me. I had no idea who Alex Jones was when I first met him. I had no idea what Infowars was when I started working here, but I knew that I was very passionate about journalism and I was passionate about getting stories across neutrally and getting down to the facts and what's actually going on. And so whenever I started working here, I immediately told them, you know, reporting is something that I am very passionate about. And it's something that I ultimately want to do. And I started off as like a reporter slash production assistant. I've been here for about two years now. And um, at the beginning of this, I was very shy to go out and go challenge people. But as I've continued and progressed on, and as I've gone out to all of these rallies and protests, you know, I'm constantly asking people, why do you believe what you do? I think that I have a very open mind and you know, I'm still very young. There's still a lot of things that I don't know. So I go to a lot of rallies and protests with people who counter my opinion. And I tell them, hey, like, talk to me about why you're here today. Tell me why you hate Donald Trump, why I should hate Donald Trump. Tell me why Black Lives Matter is a good group. And no one can ever tell me why they're there. You know, it always comes down to people being influenced by the media, people being influenced by their feelings. And that's the reason why they're there holding the sign, not because of any actual facts or statistics, not because they actually know what the organization they're protesting for stands for. So um, I think InfoWars definitely was, you know, my first kind of push to get out there. And um, it was probably at the impeach Trump rally last year in December. Um, he, yeah, I think he had just been impeached and of course, it was like impeachment eve, uh, and everyone was out rallying, like, we hate Donald Trump, blah, blah, blah. So I went to go talk to them again, you know, why should Donald Trump have been impeached? Why is he such a bad president? Talk to me about it. And this woman ended up saying that he was a rapist, he raped a young girl. And I was like, well, show me, show me where you, you read that, because if that's true, like, you know, we should condemn that. Oh, show me where that happened. She couldn't show me, she got upset, she pushed me off the ledge. That was when I first went viral. and. Um, I, I think that too is when I finally had my moment of like, there's so many people out here who are just so filled with anger and vitriol, but they don't even know why. And going out and challenging their mindset and challenging them to think outside of their norm and what they've been conditioned to think is a, a very powerful thing. Now, have you always been conservative or right leaning in your political um approach or did university get to you? Did you have the indoctrination? Cause I mean, I, I've got, I'm 52, you know, I, I ran my first election in 93 in Canada as a Green Party guy. So I was all about pro-choice and electoral reform, which is proportional representation. Which I'm not sure how it works in the States, if you could have that or not. But, you know, this idea that we elect governments with 37% of the popular vote is ridiculous in Canada anyways, because we have five parties now or something. And I was red-pilled over the last five years, slowly through Crowder and Shapiro and McInnes. And, uh, you know, many of the people you work with have become heroes of mine and gavin mckinnis one of my funniest men on the planet absolutely he's a uh, great guy he's hilarious and so you know traditionally you can see his heart he stands for good va family values he says things in a way that are often taken out of context but it was really painful for me to come around to the right but the left stopped believing in what i believed in most importantly is free speech absolutely what don't screw mm -hmm. with my speech don't screw with my guns don't tell me a man can become a woman and these are the false narratives that I've really fought against and what kind of woke me up to to the, you know, I call myself a moderate, you know, I'm not looking to, you know, outlaw abortion, but I don't think we should be able to have one after six months. Is that so radical? So I just wonder, have you, were you always conservative? Have you come, you know, have you swung right as you've, you know, wisened up or, 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 were, or were you at one time, you know, yeah, cheering on like many, like Dave Rubin, you know, like, I, we, we, we watched him get, red pilled on air with Larry, you know? <laughs> well, and, and you see too, I think the way that that phrase goes is if you're not a liberal in your twenties, yeah. you don't have a heart. 
if you're not a conservative by your 30s and 40s, you don't have a brain. I think that that's such a true statement because I do understand. And again, there's so many young people out on the streets right now protesting for Black Lives Matter because they do have good hearts. They think that the black community is being disproportionately affected by police brutality, that the black community is being disproportionately affected um, in their everyday life, that oppression is still a very real thing in America. But if you look at it statistically, again, it all comes back to your each individual mindset. And I'm not gonna say that, um, you know, poverty and low income communities aren't another issue we need to address because of course it, this is a bigger issue. But I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to America, everyone has equal opportunity in this country and everyone has the opportunity to be successful if they want it. And so we've seen such this uh, mentality of oppression being pushed on minority communities so often. And, um, you know, I think just seeing that in live time and watching how the media is able to control the masses through that mindset and through that conditioning really woke me up to a lot of these things. Um, I was already cons pretty conservative previously, but I was one of those conservatives that was like, oh, well, I'm pro-life, but if you're pro-choice, then that's okay. You know, your body, you do what you want with it. I would never personally get an abortion. And I think I was more that way as well because my parents raised me up as a Christian. And I think with religion too, a lot of people will say, you know, we can't judge others. We need to love everyone as we love ourselves. But if you really get into, again, the facts about any subjects, if you want to talk about Planned Parenthood, if you want to talk about, you know, abortion statistics, um, racial inequality in America, take any of these things that the left has tried to push on any community and you really get down to the, the nuts and bolts of it, you'll see that it's all based on a lie. It's all based on feelings over fact. And the more I delved into this, the more I realized that. And, um, you know, we had talked about, you had talked about previously one of my recent videos that went viral. I went out in front of a, it was like an LGBTQ BLM rally. And I went on the outskirts of it and I just held up a sign quietly that said, Police Lives Matter. And whenever I go and do these types of counter protests, I even always feel a little bit nervous to do it because I'm like, you know what, this is their freedom of speech as well. Like, I don't want to go and instigate anything. I don't want to go and disrupt them. And you know, I feel so strongly about that last video because I didn't go with any of that intention. I actually had the name David Dorn on the other side of my sign because he was a black retired uh, police captain, I believe. He was either, yeah, yep. he was a captain. captain. He died because he, he got shot by these rioters and these looters. So I put his name on my sign and I said, Police Lives Matter, because again, too, Black Lives Matter keeps coming forward and saying, oh yeah, all these Black Lives Matter. But when it comes to Black and Hispanic police officers, they couldn't care less. So it's ridiculous. And um, I went there as peacefully as possible. I didn't chant, I stayed outside of the rally and I still got attacked. And so going out and actually um, realizing that as a conservative, we do not have our freedom of speech in this country made me even more passionate about this. And um, I think that's what it was, like actually going out and experiencing all this that really solidified my views into more conservative values. Sorry, so, that was a long answer. <laughs> no, no, I, I take as much time as you need. More of you and less of me is also always good. Um, so w what do you think? I've asked this to many people that I've had on the show, and uh, the answers uh, vary asked Gavin on his show as a caller because I've, I happened to get in a couple times. What do you think the top conversations are that we're either not having because we're too afraid to, or that we're really having badly debating wise or just fleshing. I mean, we've got some serious issues today. Opioid. Nobody's talking about drug dependency, opioid crisis anymore. It's all coronavirus mm -hmm. and stuff. So what do you, if you could rank them as most important, you know, a few of the most important conversations you think that we're not, we need to have better in other words. Right. So I think that one of the biggest conversations that we need to be having, and again, this spans and into all communities, all people of every race and color, and that is the death of the traditional family. Amen. And I think that this is something that the left especially has worked so hard to destroy when, again, look at any of these subjects look at any of the ways that people are using to oppress the minority communities or tell the minority communities they're oppressed, all of that could be fixed with the traditional family. And I attribute a lot of my success to the fact that my parents 
are still married to this day, that we had a good family life. We had the structure in our life. We had, uh, you know, someone pushing us in the right direction. I was spanked as a child. I didn't like it, but I had discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of children need that. And I think the reason why too, we have so many adults in the street right now, burning and rioting and looting is because they were never disciplined as a child. They were given participation, participation trophies, and they were told that they couldn't be spanked as children, that they could do whatever they want. And now as adults, this is the result of that. So we need to have the conversation of bringing back the traditional family and normalizing a two parent household with a mother and a father, because both figures are very pivotal to both young women and young men's life. If you look at the homes, of young men who don't have a father figure or young women that don't have a father figure. Those are the people who grow up and, you know, statistically, statistically, we're seeing like higher crime rates from people who grow up in a one parent household. Um, you can look into all, into all of that. So traditional family is something that we really lost and we need to bring back. And then I would also say too, um, financial responsibility. A lot of people are so pro-socialism they're so pro-communism and big government because they don't want to take personal responsibility for the fact that they made the decision to pay $100,000 a year for a university when they could have paid $10,000 a year for a small community college, gotten the same exact education, still had a degree coming out of it, and come out of it without this massive student loan debt. Or they decided to go live in their dream apartment in New York City, even though their, their monthly bills cannot afford for that. So again, it comes down to this mentality that everyone's so oppressed in this country, but it really comes down to personal responsibility and having those strong roots and that strong foundation of the family. So those are two of the big things that I wish we would talk about more. And I think if a lot of people understood how to handle their money better and understood the values of the traditional family and had a strong foundation and structure growing up, uh, things would be a lot different today for a lot of people. I appreciate how you did that because I think most people answer it like the, the top issues that we face today. And for me, absolutely free speech. And so when I look at that question, I like how you did that. This is what I want to talk about more, even though there might be, we might have ser more serious issues that rank higher on the list. Um, you know, f free speech is number one for me. Fatherlessness mm -hmm. is number two because I think everything, especially in the black community, um, and y you get called racist for just po posting. Today I did a, uh, a chart of uh, death rates by country, and th that's racist. Like this idea, yeah, because because America's doing a lot of testing now, and their death rate is falling, and they're they're not the worst in the world, and um, so yeah, there's uh, fatherlessness. Everything for me goes back to that, and you know, I know the idea of welfare reform, or not reform, but in the '60s when you know they forced the man out of the house, or you didn't get privileges, you didn't get your benefits, and so. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Robert Bly did a, a fascinating conversation in the 70s. He's an eccentric, old, white-haired poet. And he did a, a, a video called uh, A Gathering of Men. And it really addresses the lack of ceremony. You know, they used to wrestle the inf infant, you know, adolescent male child from the mother's teat almost and take him to the island. And m he would be there for a year while they well, they killed the boy figuratively. And then he came back a man. And, you know, I joke, I'm a, you know, I've never married. I don't have any children. I've never had that ceremony. I'm like a 52-year-old boy in some senses, you know. <laughs> and this is what we've done to our men. So instead of being standing in the field beside our father and being that, fed that nutrient that you didn't, that you got without even speaking, just being with him and watching him work, you know, we put, you know, industrial age came and, and the father went into the factories and came home impatient and pissed off and tired and you know didn't have time mm -hmm. for the kids and now our kids are mentored by gangs and i think now that the women have gone into the workforce only just recently and you know in, in the grand scheme of things that we're going to see the effects of that as well and i think we've seen the effects of a lack of discipline as well as far as these are spoiled brat rich trust fund kids that are in the street burning everything and for the most part i mean a lot of them i mean this guy that they picked up Who's the, the the cheerleader, the Antifa cheerleader they just picked up? Um, I can't I can't remember his name. He had a run-in with uh, Gavin at PAC, and uh, 
and you recognize these are the same people. Like that girl that was shouting you down, uh, guaranteed you've seen her at other protests. Like they're from out of state. They're like professional protesters, and they're not. They're privileged <laughs> rallying against exactly. capitalism. <laughs> exactly. And that's the funniest part of all of these protests is that they're rallying and they're protesting against the country that gives them the ability to go out in the street and go and protest. If you look at Hong Kong, the people in Hong Kong are waving American flags and they're holding signs asking President Trump for help or thanking President Trump for you know, being in office because they know what America stands for and they know true oppression. They know what it means to be silenced. They know what it means to live under an authoritarian regime. We in America do not. The people here are so, the people here that say that they're oppressed are, that is their privilege speaking because if someone was truly oppressed, they wouldn't even have the ability to go out and have all of these rallies. Like they're saying, I've talked to so many people who say, oh, you know, you have the right to go home after this. I, as a black man walking home from this rally could get shot and killed. And I'm like, no, we have the same exact right to walk home. And Brandon Tatum, he's um, an ex-police officer that I've been listening to a lot on YouTube. And, you know, he makes the point too, like, if you don't want to be confronted by the police, if you don't want to be put in a situation, um, you know, where you're having to wrestle with the police or deal with the police, then don't commit crimes. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. It's just like common sense type stuff. Like if you don't want to get run over, don't protest in the street. If you don't want to have to deal with the police, don't commit a crime. But saying those types of things is so controversial in 2020. It's so racist. It's so out of this world to say something like that. It's so crazy to say, follow the laws and then you won't get hurt. You won't have to deal with you know, the criminal justice system. I mean, if we had law-abiding citizens, a lot of our, our problems would be solved, but people want to run amok and do whatever they want and have a lawless country. And when they realize that that's not how the world works, again, it goes back to these kids who were raised without rules thinking they could do whatever they want. And now in the real world, they're seeing that there's consequences to their actions, but now they're just crying racism as a mm -hmm. result of that. Let's shift gears a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about your branding and where you see yourself going. And I mean, you know, it, I, I heard you. Um, by the way, Michelle Malkin. Wow. I mean, you've you've hit the Isn't big time, amazing? girlfriend. <laughs> Michelle Malkin is calling. Yeah, I know you've got you've got some some pretty high level friends. So I don't mean to downplay that, but uh, I'm proud of you. No, you do, Michelle's you're doing great. Well. And yeah. then see you on with Michelle. I, I tweeted yesterday. And can I get a follow? Uh, sorry, <laughs> I had to ask that. Uh, she was great. And uh, tell me a little bit about your image, your branding, where you see yourself going. I know you spoke a little bit about, you know, your action seven on, on your branding on YouTube. Sav says, by the way, you can find her, Sav underscore says underscore. What the heck? You couldn't find a better Twitter handle than that? Come on, man. <laughs> so tell me a little hey, bit. Hey, I about... like it. It's simple. It's to the point. Yeah, yeah. A little bit about your conscious direction of branding and where you see yourself going. And, you know, anything else? Like, do you self-censor at all? Is there anything you won't say? Do you stay away from any certain topics or, that are too hot that you don't want to, you know, Gavin says, like, a, you end up with a, a swarm of bees flying around you type thing. So a couple questions there, but right. take as long as you need. So um, in terms of the direction I see myself going, I would say... Um, like after college, just being very liberal. I wouldn't say I was even liberal-minded. I would just say I was very uneducated, like the majority of Americans. You can go do a man on the street right now and say, hey, when was our country founded? No one would know the answer. Hey, who was our first president? No one would know the answer. People don't understand the history behind our country because they're very uh, uninformed. They're not knowledgeable about things. Our education system has failed our youth, all of us. I truly believe that. If you, again, if you go ask people common sense questions about this country that every American should know, they have no idea about it. And because of that lack of historical knowledge is why we're where we are today. And so I feel like I used to be that way. Um, and again, politics is a very big subject to tackle. There are so many different aspects of politics. There's so many different things to get through. And every single portion of it has a long history that you have to know about. And so it's a very big subject to tackle. And I think the direction that I'm trying to go in is helping people who were like me, who were uninformed, who didn't know how to tackle the subject, kind of ease into it and understand 
factually at the base of it, whether you want to think more liberally or more conservatively, here's the story, let's meet in the middle, here's the fact, now you make your decision based on that. So we do want to influence people in the sense of, and I think one of the biggest things I advocate for is don't listen to me about anything. Go and do your own research. I can sit here and talk to you until I'm blue in the face, but what I'm saying is not going to have any real weight in your life until you go and read the headline for yourself and you decide to make that change for yourself. So that's the biggest thing that I advocate for is just for people to think for themselves and to do their own research. Um, so that's the direction that I'm trying to to go in is just to um, continue to push people to be um, more responsible for their own thoughts, not to be so influenced by whoever they're hearing on the street, whatever headline they read in 10 seconds, like do your research. And um, yeah, what was your other question? Uh, I just wonder if there's anything that's too hot for you to touch. Do you stay away mm. from certain topics? Because I'm not qualified or I won't be effective here. I love how you put, I think it was with Michelle the other day, is, you know, you protesting as a woman, you feel like you're less likely to be attacked than like a man mm -hmm. would be if he was counter protesting. Like, and we've seen men get beat to death in the streets. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just wonder if there's anything that y you try to stay away from. You, you, yes, politics is multifaceted, and uh, I love the idea of basically, you know, the old adage, read a book, because there's so much ignorance out there. Like, you know, so I exactly. just wonder if you, do you self-censor on any topics? Or is there anything that you, you want us to, I, I, I have an idea where your passions are because of where mm -hmm. you're standing, you know, a week ago with a police live, like that is comes from your heart. That is something that you're deeply moved by to go and protest. I can't even, I, I don't even like referring to you as a protester, but that's, I mean, that's what you're doing. You're activist, you're, you know, you're protesting a different point of view. So I just wonder if you temper yourself ever. Um, I don't think any topic is off limits for me. And I would say that because again, I never go out to, any place or I never go on to any interview and I'm never going to pretend to know something that I don't. If we're talking about any subject, I'll talk about it to the best of my ability. And if I don't know about it, and that's when I'm going to turn it around and say, well, educate me on this. And then what I like to do, and it's, this is what I do with a lot of my protests too, because keep in mind, you know, I'm still learning a lot of stuff is if someone comes up to me and talks to me about systemic racism or that black men aren't treated equally in this country, well, then I'll ask them what rights do black men uh, white men have that black men don't have in America. And what I like to do is try to learn off of their knowledge and kind of figure out, you know, where they're coming from and then go do my own research back on that. So I wouldn't say any topic is really off limits for me. Um, I think that everything should be discussed. Everything is important, um, whether it's pro what I believe or anti what I believe. I'm very open to discussing and debating any topic really um, because everything is important to somebody so we should mm -hmm. we should talk about all of it talk to me a little bit about how you protect your mind you know social media is such a filthy place i'm sure you're getting mm -hmm. some some pushback and resistance from people that don't believe in what you believe you see physical assaults on the street um you know i stopped watching network news a long time ago i've got cnn in the background because just, well, that's all my cable system offers i can't see fox news network in canada unless well i don't yeah. even know if you can buy it i think maybe it's a paid channel but you know cnn's everywhere um yeah mm -hmm. but how do you protect yourself i mean you know, I spend a lot of time on social media, too, and I think, well, some of it's activism, some of it's branding, some of it's bringing, hopefully bringing somebody who will go, really? I didn't know that there was less black, unarmed black men shot last year than, there was almost double the white men shot and killed that were unarmed mm -hmm. by police. Uh, completely unfortunate, but the, the facts just are there. I wonder, how do you protect your mind from, you know, I saw David Dorn take his last breath god bless him his last breaths in the street not live but still it gutted me even when i yeah. heard about george floyd i didn't know what the circumstances was was it it, it ruined my day and, mm -hmm. and just because it, it seems that now we know there's way more to the story and we know that there's all you know i don't fall in line with that narrative that we suffer systemic oppression it's just it's ridiculous uh, but i just wonder how you protect your mind from seeing things like that because you, you have to at some level you know take a break or st step back or delegate it 
so that you're not in it all the time. It, there's a certain amount of stress that comes. Like I try to detach myself from the haters. You know, a guy with you know a bunch of numbers after his name and and an egg as his avatar. I don't really care as much. On Facebook, people will think they know me. Lately, they, they don't think they know me very much. So, you know, when they give it to me, it's like, oh man, like, don't call me a racist, misogynist, like homophobic. Like if you know me, you know I'm not that. So I just wonder. Yeah, like it hurts, you know, as much as you try mm -hmm. to detach yourself from it, you know, you really can't. So I just wonder how you protect yourself when clearly you're going to be a target a lot of the time with your beliefs. Yeah, you know, it was some, it is a tough subject and um, it is something that you did have to deal with because first off, like I really don't like social media at all. If it wasn't my job to be on there, if it wasn't such a useful tool, I wouldn't have social media. I just started an Instagram because I just feel like social media is so detrimental to everyone's mental health and this is another thing that i advocate for is that social media is not real life twitter is not mm, real life instagram is not real life yeah. yeah and i think that is one of the mentalities that i try to keep um i think tyler the creator he said cyberbullying isn't real just walk away from the screen and i kind of look at it like comically like that because you know you will read these comments i have had people tell me to kill myself that i'm a racist that i'm a nazi yeah. yeah and it does hurt to read it but then i just try to have that mentality of like cyberbullying isn't real just walk away from the screen just turn it off and that's what you have to do is take a step back and what i'd like to do as well is just understand where i'm at right now just like you know i'll put my phone down and look at around at where mm -hmm. i'm at right now like i'm here by myself in this room no one's hurting me I'm, I'm here like this is real life not that and so um that's one of the ways that i've tried to change my mentality on social media so that i'm able to cope with that a little bit more and then also i think that um taking breaks from social media on the weekends is very important i try not to get on saturdays and sundays sometimes i do depending on if it's a very like fast-paced news weekend or if i'm out reporting then of course i'm going to be on social media but if i have a day off from work i'm not on social media i'm away from my phone i try not to get onto twitter until 10 a.m at least every morning because a lot of people too will wake up open up twitter first thing they do Amen. and i think that that's so detrimental as well um so as much time away from social media that I can take, I do. And just always remember that social media is not real life. So someone might love you on social media. Someone might hate you on social right. media. But what's going on in your real life? You know, who are your real friends? Who are you really surrounded by? And what's really going on? Because your reality is what's actually happening, not what's happening on social media. I like how you put that. And I make that that point the same way. And I often tweet or, or post on Facebook, like, you get that this account is not a human, right? Like it's controlled by a human, but I don't say these things in real life. I think I'm like, exactly. walking, you know, holding placards up and, but it's weird because we, I don't know about you, my life comes to me as tweets, like my thoughts, what I'm going through life. I'm like, oh, like I just thought, I'm gonna write that down. Like this is, <laughs> and then, you know, I lashed out the other day, got myself in, uh, you know, like I said, I'm a 10-time political candidate. Never run for anything that was ever remotely had a chance of winning, like Green Party. Um, and I got loose the other day and called, uh, I guess, a former friend of mine in uh, that's a politician now, a bad word. Well, I was, like, I got smoked in the media. Like th this became news in my town. And I, I realized mm -hmm. that, you know, I look at her Twitter account and I forgot that we were friends and that she's a good woman and that she's got a great sense of humor and all this kind of stuff. I see her, her feed and it's evil, like straight evil. Like anyone that believes, you know, my body, my choice, even at nine months, like on its due date, like you can't, how can you reason with that? So, uh, you right. know, I, I think that, you know, I've made that point several times. This is not, like, this account is not a human. Yes, it's controlled by one, but this is not how we go around talking to people. And when you sit down with them, you realize that e e your enemy on Twitter, you can have a beer with, with no problem, and it's all good. And so we forget, and then we forget that there's a human behind there, and then we attack the account, and then we don't have any empathy for them, you know? Exactly, and I've lost so many friends as well this year because of difference in political views, and 
you know, my first question to them is, well, what did I do to you in real life to make Great you feel this way? Question. Have I ever treated you? Have I ever treated you as a friend badly to make you want to distance yourself from me? The answer is never anything. It's just, mm -hmm. well, because of the times, I don't agree with your political opinion, but no one can ever tell me as a friend what I've done to them to make them feel that way or if I've ever mistreated them in any way that would make them not want to be my friend. And it's tough. It is very tough to be a conservative. And I've been dealing with it all year because, like I said, I had a big group of Hispanic friends. They all dropped me. And wow. it was like probably eight friends total. And it was really difficult for me because I do value my friendships very much. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is a hard path to walk um, being a conservative. It really is. It's hard to have a dissenting opinion and it's hard to go against the grain. It really is because you're not a part of. The majority of thinkers you're not a part of the popular opinion and you're going to be hated but you have to understand that that comes with the territory and i feel like for myself personally i know so much now that if i were to go back and try to pander to what the left is saying they're like oh yeah black lives matter like that's all it is it's about black lives and then mattering like that's a beautiful thing like i couldn't do that because i know too much now and i think it's more important for us to push back on that and say hey Let's open your eyes to what's really going on. Let's have a civil debate. Let's have a civil discussion about this. Let's not fight. And I think that uh, it's so important for us to go out on the street and have a civil discourse with people we don't agree with because we can show people as well that, you know, two people who have different opinions can come together and they can stand together and they can discuss things. And that's how we're going to heal America, not by screaming at each other online. Yeah, amen to that. Um, you got something coming up on when? Are you doing something tomorrow again? Are you doing another yes, demonstration, tomorrow. for lack of a better term? Or And are you taking security with you? Because, like I said, uh, props to you, but, that you know, uh, how big are you? Come on, shoulder checks aren't, they're not in your DNA, okay? Bring a man. <laughs> so a lot of people keep telling me that. And uh, like I said, too, I am hesitant to bring my male friends because if they were to get hurt, stepping in on my behalf I would feel really bad about that and like I said with Michelle yesterday I really do feel like as a woman I mean there have been several instances where I've been able to step in on a situation or protest or say something where I'm not going to get attacked but if I was a man I would and so I, I'm going there peacefully and to me if I get attacked going there peacefully that says more on the other side than it says about me and again unfortunately this is the time we're living in and someone's got to go and stand up and that person is me right now and you know i'm asking other people too to join me because there was a big influx of people on twitter who were like hey if you're going out again let me know i'd love to go join you and um uh, this isn't going i'm not going to a counter protest i'm just going in front of the uh, okay. police headquarters right. now there have been groups that go every single day just to go protest the police so we'll see if there are people there or not. Um, but I'm really just there tomorrow to go show the police department locally and nationwide that people care about them. I want my local police department to know that there are citizens here that are grateful for everything that they're doing, that are grateful that they put their lives on the line every single day, that they leave their wives and their families and children mm -hmm. for strangers every single day. And I appreciate that. And I know that not every single cop is a good cop but not every single cop is a bad cop either the majority of police care about their communities they care Absolutely. about other people's lives which is why they're doing this for the community and i just want them to know that they're appreciated do you, i want to keep you on time here do you think the silent majority is waking up and it do you believe the rumors that the right will mobilize the silent majority is in the middle and i think this i made this point several times as well the extremes on the bell curve seem to have the loudest voice right now and i give them way too much credit you know whether it's transgender activism or blm or whatever it is these wingnuts on there's the minority except they have such a they have a soapbox now they have a megaphone and we give them a lot of time and they actually convinced you know people like me that they, they, like the, somehow the, the majority, we forget that they're extremes. They're, their numbers are few. And in the fat mm -hmm. part of the bell curve, liberals and conservatives and moderates alike, we agree on, there's 95% of us that are in this fat part of the bell curve that, <laughs> that, that can come to an agreement on issues. And I call that the moderate middle. And I, I, I blame them for sitting on their hands and being silent 
yes, I guess they vote in some numbers, but do you think, I think that's the secret to quelling all this nonsense is, and I guess it, they call them, you know, the silent majority for a reason because they stay silent. Do you, do you see any shift there? And then uh, what do you think about this idea that, <laughs> you know, we saw the Black Panthers, not very organized, all in brand new gear, marching. If the right ever loosely, you know, I, they, they don't really have any associations that I know of. The ones that, you know, get, you know, mocked in the media are drinking clubs like Proud Boys and stuff like that. They're providing services to people like Michelle, you know, conservative speakers that had threats against against universities. But what are your thoughts on the, you know, the mobilization of the right and the activation of the silent majority? Hmm. You know, even the term silent majority, I mean, my whole opinion and view on that term and that group of people is, I mean, I just feel like it's lost on me, to be honest, because if you're silent, then it doesn't matter that you're the majority. It doesn't matter at all. And people like to say, well, we show up where it matters at the voting booth. And that's a fair point. But at the same time, we have our historic monuments being destroyed. We have people burning things down in the street. Where's this majority? They're nowhere to be found. They're at home. And granted, I understand why they are. Um, but, but getting back to your point, too, I think that people are starting to now get enraged to the point watching their country burn down that they're like okay i'm gonna go stand up in st louis for example um and michelle had mentioned this too there were a bunch of catholic priests that went and prayed in front of the statue that they were trying to tear down and you know i think that the people that are standing up now are the people who are going to stand up i don't know if we're going to see a bigger wave of people after that um now is the time to stand up and the people who actually care enough to do so will do it and they're doing it but I don't really see like a bigger wave of people standing up, um, to be honest, because like I said, I just, I personally feel like if they were going to do it, they would have done it already because now is the time to do it. Not in two or three weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you a woman of faith as well? Yes. Okay. I I don't hear you talk about that a lot and that's fine. I don't expect you to be Bible thumping out there. If that's the religion that you ascribe to, um, what do you see as hopeful? In these times, I think, you know, I've said this a thousand times, you know, these are some strange times we live in. I think that every generation has always said that. You know, I joked the other day, hey, have you tried fire yet? It's unbelievable. Like, oh, these are some strange times. That fire took down the whole village, you know? like, And so I think every generation's had their, you know, their times when they look at stuff and they go, what the hell? So, yeah. but with all that said, leave us with something hopeful that you're inspired by that things are getting there that you know i always say you know this is the most tolerant we've been in our history we're getting better every day you know these things just these things that you the majority the vast minority of these big mouths buy into just they don't exist we are more tolerant than we've ever been yes there are pockets of, you know, old-time racism and slavery still exists all around the world. Nobody's talking about the sex trade and the child trafficking we got in our own mm-hmm. continent here. But, you know, this, you know, I think we forget that we've, we're better and more tolerant, more understanding. And I don't know, I, th- I think that we come from a long line of protective racists to be, you know, to use a bad term because... You know, when one tribe came up against another tribe, we didn't invite them for dinner and have sex with them. We tried to annihilate them. So I think, you know, racism and and fear of the other man, the xenophobia, comes naturally to human beings. And I wish we'd just start out the conversations by going, yeah, you know what? (laughs) I come from a long line, but my grandfather was racist. Like, I mean, it's not, it's still new. But I just, I want to leave you on hopefully, a hopeful note. What do you see as like encouraging or light at the end of the tunnel in these seemingly strange, confusing, and dark times? Uh, Yeah, they're burning the cities to the ground. People are dying. Many more people are dying than, you know, David Dorn and and, uh, George Floyd. Uh, So I don't know. I'm looking for a little hope from you. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think there is a lot to be hopeful for. And you had mentioned, um, you know, if I was a woman of faith, and I think that is where I do draw a lot of my hope from, because it is very easy to lose hope in these times watching our nation 
get destroyed, but I think it is. Um, for me personally, I know that God has a plan, and uh, this is something that we've been through previously. If you look back in '92 with the Rodney King riots in LA, it was it wasn't as bad as this because this is a nationwide thing. Um, but I mean, that did end too. The community did come back together too, and they did clean up the streets. And I think what we're seeing now is, like I said, people starting to stand up and protect statues, speak out against Antifa, Black Lives Matter. Um, stand up for what they believe in. And that in itself should give us hope that there are Americans that are willing to do that. And that we, the pendulum will always swing back with this next generation coming up with the Zoomers. They see, you talked about tolerance. They see how actually detrimental us being so tolerant of everything has been to the point (laughs) point where we have 800 genders and everyone can do whatever they want. So because we adopted such a tolerance, we now have a new generation who has seen the detriment of that tolerance and is now swinging back towards conservatism and swinging back towards common sense. So I think that the, the hopefulness is in the next upcoming generation. And it's in the fact that we have allowed the left to eat themselves basically if um for example you're following what was going on in seattle they had a chaz chop zone which was their autonomous zone it stayed up for about three weeks it ended up in violence somebody died at the hands of gun violence the mayor had to go and shut it down and the police came in and they restored law and order and that was a perfect example of what we needed at first i was upset with trump and i said well why didn't he send it the police why didn't we get this taken care of but I think the fact that we allowed the left to eat their own and we've allowed Americans to see what the Democratic Party truly looks like in action has been a good thing because it has woken up a lot of Americans. And you can see that in the fact that there's been like a 400 percent gun sale surge in America. So many people who've never bought guns before. Exactly. So many people who've never bought guns before have are buying guns. And that in itself just exemplifies that people are waking up and realizing what the reality of a lot of that tolerance and liberal policy they've been pushing looks like. Who are some of your rocks in the business? Who have you leaned on for support and who are your, who you, who do you roll with the people that we would know and love or not? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, let me think about this. So Owen Schroyer, I would definitely say I produced his show for a long time Mm -hmm. and I really look up to him. He's great. And, um, he has kind of been my mentor ever since I started things. I really appreciate his viewpoint on things because he isn't afraid to say what he wants to say, um, no matter how controversial. He isn't afraid to be the first person to say it either. So he's just a very brave person, one that I've always looked up to. Um, Michelle Malkin, too. Like I said, I, I've always looked up to her. I always appreciate somebody who puts action into their words, who actually goes out and organizes and goes on the streets and shows the other Americans who may be kind of nervous. I mean, like we talked about the silent the majority, they may be nervous and just looking back on social media, like, I, I don't know if I have what it takes to do that. If they see people like Owen Schroyer or Michelle Malkin going out, that inspires them to go out too. So I would say them too. And then um, the last person is, I would say, Damani Felder. He's another one of my friends. He lives in Dallas. I'd highly encourage people to follow him on Twitter. He's a black man who's actually woke about, you know, the statistics of what's going on in America. And I really appreciate him because he uses humor and he uses the reality of what's really going on in America for black America as, you know, um, his platform. And he does a great job of bringing light to the hypocrisy of Black Lives Matter and to opening the eyes of people from the other side. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. just on the way out, do you have a boyfriend, and how do you respond to proposals on Twitter? I'm just asking for a friend. It's nothing for me. Yes, I do have a boyfriend, and my, my Twitter proposals, <laughs> I've gotten, like, at least 100 of them, so, so all right. it's a list. It's so a list. saying that when a I grow list. up, I'm going to ask you to marry me, it doesn't, it doesn't hold any weight with you. Okay. Uh, you're honest. I mean, I'm not okay. married yet. I'm not married okay. yet, but I do have a boyfriend. There is so. hope. Awesome. Um Thank you so much for your time. How do people get a hold of you if they want to find you? Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. So my Instagram, which I'm currently trying to grow right now, is Sav with one N. My Twitter is at Sav underscore says underscore. And then my YouTube is Sav says. Go follow me on all of those accounts. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to make a Facebook just because I feel like I'd get banned immediately. But uh, 
everywhere else, I'm pretty active except for the weekends. Well, you are soon to be banned from everything anyway. So Twitter is uh, only a short life for you. YouTube's going to cancel. Mm-hmm. I got canceled from YouTube. Not that, you know, I, and you know what? It's, I just started building it. I had this channel for 10 years and, um, you know, I had about two, I had 80 followers for eight of the years. And then I worked myself up to 200 and then I got to 5,000. I got monetized. I got 3 million views. And then I did a coronavirus um, podcast from Don Cherry, who's a sports commentator up here, former coach. Um, and it had COVID and coronavirus in the title. And I think that's what took me down. And now they're saying I violated 5-H. But there's almost like w- my whole life is up there. I had 800 videos, videos of my mother's slideshow. Is, you know, she's no longer on this planet. And, you know, uh, God bless you. Build a pirate ship like like, well, I mean, you're working with Alex, so you know something about pirate ships. But yeah, I don't, I, I fear that you're not long for the social media world anyways. And uh, I love you. Stay strong. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we'll be following you. And I, 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 I made a video about how much I loved a girl the other day, and I got me a follow. She's only, she's only following 700 and some odd people, but she's called No One Tr- Tweet Truth to Me on Twitter. Pretty, uh, you know, her 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 banner picture is she's a pretty girl too, but she's pointing a double barrel shotgun at her at the camera. <laughs> Classic patriot conservative girl. So, anyways, uh, I appreciate it if you share it out and uh, and uh, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. It's very generous. Anything you want to say on the way out? In case I do get banned on all social media, you can find my work on band.video. That is one of Alex's sites. And okay. uh, I have a page, like I have a little category under there, Action 7, so you can find all of my work there. Yeah, that's so important, too. You should be pimping mm-hmm. that a lot more because, well, I hate to wish bad things on people, but it's just the way the beast goes now. We didn't even get into the censorship issue. If I if I get the chance to interview you again, maybe we'll delve deeper into, you know, the left-wing conspiracy to uh, to stop any conservative voices but you you nailed it and i i understand you're paying a price i paid the price as well you know it, it hurts when when you think that your good friends weren't that good all of a sudden you know if they mm-hmm. if they're dumping you for posting a graph and calling you racist then so anyways lots of support from this camp up here in toronto or toronto canada niagara st Catharines, and i appreciate your time thanks very much thanks jim all right take care all right, let's see if I can end this all right. See you later, kid. All right, so that's that. Savannah Hernandez, this is her Twitter page. Hit it up. Follow her. Uh, she will, uh, you probably see some video of her tomorrow. She's going to, she's out front of the, I think she's in Texas. And yes, she has a boyfriend. That's good. Savannah Hernandez, this is her Action 7 YouTube channel. Uh, just look for Sav says, and uh, then you can find her on Band Dot Video as well. That's Alex Jones's site, Infowars site, I believe. Band Video Dot Com, I believe. That was Savannah Hernandez, and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm getting out of here because it's one o'clock. All right. Thanks for watching. Peace out.